So hello and welcome to the Clinical Audit and Improvement Podcast from AMAT, the audit management and tracking tool which is developed in partnership with our users. My name is Don Conlon and in this episode I'm going to be learning about the new Patient Safety Incident Response Framework, which shall for henceforth always be known as PSERF, I think. I have a studio full of guests to welcome to the show today, so let's get right down to it. First, welcome to Heather Darlow. Heather is the Head of Clinical Quality and Governance and Trustwide Lead for Quality Improvement at Leicestershire Partnership NHS Trust. She's over 28 years of experience in the NHS, with the last 12 years being at LPT, where she supports community and mental health services. Heather is a passionate improver and considers herself a facilitator and enabler of change to benefit patient care. Next, we're joined by Tracy Ruthven from the Clinical Audit Support Centre. Tracy's got almost 30 years experience in clinical audit and improvement and holding key posts in NHS before setting up CASC with Stephen Ashmore. She speaks at national conferences, is widely published and even serves as a magistrate in her spare time. Tracy's also helped to develop the nationally recognised clinical audit teaching toolkit. And it's also lovely, of course, to welcome Tracy's co-director, Stephen Ashmore. Stephen worked in the NHS for 10 years after leaving university and holds a range of relevant qualifications in clinical audit and quality improvement. He's been a member of several high profile national groups and in recent years has chaired two patient participation groups in primary care. So welcome to everybody here and thank you very much for your time. And I think we've got a really easy start today because the first question has got to be, what's P? What is PSERF? Heather, just from a trust point of view, let's have it. Let's hear what, what PSERF is. I know it's a great acronym, isn't it? It's a brilliant word that we all have to get our heads around. Um, so yeah, so PSERF, so the patient, patient Safety Instant Response Framework was published back in August 2022. Um, and it's very much a new approach to patient safety across the NHS. It's around developing and maintaining systems and processes for responding to patient safety incidents for the purpose of learning and fundamentally for me, improving patient safety. Um, and that opportunity for learning and improvement is really, really key to the, to the concept of um, PSERF and builds on the national patient safety strategy that we saw um, introduced a, a couple of years ago. It's very much a change in the approach to how we look at patient safety and, and will be takes over from the um, serious incident framework that we've known for the last decade or so in terms of our approach and is just a really exciting opportunity for how we link improvement um, and look at patient safety with a different lens. So it's a great opp great opportunity to discuss it today. No, that's fantastic. And it's great to hear so much kind of enthusiasm for a, for a framework as well, for something new coming out that people are obviously getting behind it. Tracy, Stephen, Tracy, perhaps, do you want to add to that, give a perspective from, from your point of view, please? Yeah, I mean, I think we've, um, obviously, from our perspective, we work with people around the country. And I'd echo what Heather's just said, because I think there is a lot of enthusiasm around this. I think there's this view of maybe a little bit of concern about how do we do this, because it is so different. But I think generally, there is a lot of enthusiasm on the ground, particularly around probably the different approaches we've been used to over the last, it's what Heather said, over the last 10 years or so, been 
using root cause analysis for most of our incident investigations, there's now going to be very much an introduction of different methodologies and that key link, which is has been there, but I think it will be more emphasised around how quality improvement clinical audit can be linked into this work. So how, how does it differ from the previous approaches? Um, it's just going to be some of the different uh, the methodologies that will be used. So there are some different tools that will be used for some of the investigations. There'll also be some completely different methods that have been around for a while, but there's something called after-action reviews that will be used for some incident investigations, which is a technique that we've not always previously used um, very much in healthcare. So I think that that will get developed on a lot, which I think, again, from our perspective, we see that as exciting. And I don't know what Heather's um, view around that is. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the key differences is that as a framework, it doesn't prescribe what the response needs to be. And that's a massive shift because that takes it more into the place of what opportunities do we have for le- for learning and how best can we learn? And what it also looks at doing is rather than treating things as um, kind of levels, so serious incidents, and those are the things that we concentrate on, it's about where is the biggest learning opportunity. And that might come from a number of lower level incidents that are happening but are having a big impact um, and it allows that opportunity to as an organization to take hold of what is our profile looking like and where can we best make those efforts for improvement so that that bit of not being prescribed and having far more kind of give in terms of how do we implement has both challenges that's quite scary in terms of how you do that but also has that great opportunity of how you can engage um, and bring people together on this journey with you. Stephen do you want to you've been strangely quiet uh, for, for, for you can you chip in here? Yeah I'm just um, enjoying what these guys have had to say I mean I think I think for me you know, we're not we're not downplaying it, but I think we, you know, if, if you know anything about PSURF, you know, it's lots of people have talked around it. You know, and different language has been used, but this, you know, this is probably the biggest change in patient safety in the history of the NHS, and um, you know, so it's no mean undertaking, and, and I think you know, organisations like Hevers, you know, getting to grips with this, they they probably have quite a number of people involved in doing this work and particularly since since last August I think this is incredibly layered you know if you look back at the 2019 patient safety strategy that's where it, it, it all of this comes from and a lot of that work has been implemented and it's an ongoing piece of work that we've been implementing over the, the last few years so we've been building towards peace for quite a long time there's been these early adopters which I think probably I don't know if I can't speak for the other guys, but I think probably we like the fact that we've had organisations trialling this out on the ground. So it hasn't been, you know, a framework that's just been launched into everybody being expected to use it without people trialling it and, and testing to make sure it works really. But I think now is the moment in a way of truth for, for PSURF and it will be over the, the next few months as people start to reaching that point where where this is implemented and as 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 Heather said you know this is this replaces the serious incident framework 
you know, it's about having expert people involved in in undertaking this work. It's, I think it's more about focusing on human beings and looking at systems much more than, than we ever have done in the past. And I think there's a lot that's common to PSURF that's, that's appeared in previous documents and undertakings and initiatives in the past in the NHS particularly. But I think this, this framework pulls everything together really so it is i think heather's right so it's a really exciting time but it's it's probably quite a scary and challenging time too for 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 lots of organizations that are trying to embed this i read um, a really lovely quote actually which i'm going to read to you now while we cannot change the fact that an incident has happened it is always within our gift to compassionately engage with those affected listen to and answer their questions and try to meet their needs. I think that, I mean, it's, I'm fascinated with language, absolutely. But, and, and it's wonderful to hear that, that kind of language being rolled through such a, such a big organization. I wonder if you'd like to talk about how that, how the approach is so different. I mean, I think that language, like you say, Dom, is is really, really important. And I think this is very much a cultural shift that's taking place in terms of the involvement piece, both of our staff, but also of our patients, our carers and their role. And, and obviously, PSURF sits within kind of the national patient safety strategy. So it's, it's part of a, of a joint strategy approach. And our patients, you know, are at the heart of that very much and so the role of um the roles such as patient partners coming on board offers great opportunities for that insight and that involvement piece and i think in terms of the focus rather than it being almost um you know an industry of investigation for the output that is a report it's very much focused on um, that learning opportunity and that engagement piece, both with our staff and with our patients, and taking those opportunities to learn for where where we have that kind of biggest insight and um, and taking the opportunity to do that together. And that's significant, and that builds on that whole kind of fostering that sort of improvement approach to healthcare. Um, and we've seen recently with the Virginia Mason evaluation of NHS, the NHS partnership, you know, that cultural piece is so significant in terms of embedding language, embedding opportunity for improvement and coming together. And, and Stephen's point around, you know, the human element, that the human factors within PSURF and understanding the situation, the situational analysis that happens, um, that's where you're going to get that learning, you know, those forcing functions that make a difference rather than, I always like to quote it, we, we take this from clinical audit, especially when we're looking at like actions um, to improve and you have those actions that talk about tell Brenda, we're going to tell people, we're going to share it, we're going to reflect on it. And actually, those aren't the things that are going to make the difference. It's those system changes that will make the difference. Um, and the people are part of that. And I think we've just got a real opportunity with that cultural shift of bringing everybody on a journey together for sort of real, real patient outcomes. So, yeah, exciting. It certainly sounds it. And, and when does all this have to be implemented by? Well, that's the challenge. So, um, Monday. <laughs> Monday. Monday. So it was launched in August with an implementation from September. And as part of the kind of national guidance we've got, there's a, there's a kind of a time 
tabled approach you can work to as an organization in terms of steps for implementation. It's expected that organizations will have this implemented by um, autumn 2023. Um, so not a definitive implementation date, um, but actually we're all on that journey together to get to that place. So that, that first real step in the process is for organisations to develop their um, patient safety incident response plan, which is about their analysis and their understanding of what does it look like at the moment? What is it that we're seeing? What do we understand? So that actually there is that opportunity to look at that proportionate response. So where will our efforts go in terms of um, patient safety investigations? Because we know that the, the workload involved in that, the effort, that's huge. And like Tracy's already um, said, there's that opportunity then for other ways of learning and, and how will we integrate that? Um, so we're in the midst of creating that at the moment um, and we're looking to do that um, early, early in June um, in terms of that plan. Um, and we've done a lot of sharing, a lot of learning from our partners um, and across those early adopters, they've just been um, so significant, I think, in everybody's learning just to understand how and how do we look to do that. So it's a busy time in the patient safety improvement world at the moment. Tracy, I can see you're keen to, to join in this. Could you perhaps respond to that? Respond to what Heather's saying there, give it your perspective. What kind of, how are you, I mean, as trainers, you and Stephen are dealing with this from a very different perspective. Could you talk about that perhaps? Oh, well, I mean, I think we're we're just seeing all of the, the organisations that we meet and work with, they're all somewhere on that sort of the, the, the journey that Heather alludes to. And I think some are, are further down that road, others are a little bit back. But you can see there's, there's those that commonality in terms of the steps that people are taking. But obviously, it's all organisations are going to be slightly different. They're all looking at this in a slightly, maybe a slightly different way um, in terms of how they are putting this together. And obviously, it's also going to looking at their staff, their skill base that they've got um, and linking in and training pe more and more people up in terms of all of those key skills that we need to make sure that this will work. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in if, if, if that's yeah, okay. Course, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, I think, you know, I echo what Tracy said really, but I think for us as an organisation, probably a lot like a lot of training organisations, it's just that adjustment and it's probably the same for the, for the NHS trusts because a lot they'll deliver a lot of their own internal training. So that, for example, we're, we've moved away to a degree from delivering root cause analysis training more towards patient safety and investigations. And again, there's a, there's a real piece of work you know that needs to be considered here about language which i think is really really important in terms of standardizing that under this the new framework and i think that's 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 something that's going to be really good but it's going to take take a while for for, for people to get used to so yeah we've been looking at what we offer as a as an organization and i think it's also looking at you know other elements of of the framework and i'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later but where it links across the clinical audit and vice versa and quality improvement so i think the framework you know th as we said there's so many different elements to it there's lots of organizations that i think we're seeing you know we were doing a training session yesterday 
and, and there were a number of investigators who, who'd been in that organisation for quite a long period of time. And we were really surprised that they hadn't really been trained collectively around human factors and some of the systems thinking work. So, you know, I think everyone's, you know, somewhere on this journey towards implementing PISA. Some people are a bit further ahead than others, but I think there is this national training strategy that also links across to PISA. So there's a huge amount of work just in terms of educating people who will be facilitating investigations, but more broadly in putting into this. And I think that's the message around PISA, if it's everybody's business. Whereas I think it used to be quite siloed maybe in organisations and people would look towards the patient safety and risk team you know, that's that's not, not where we want it to be sort of going forward. So, yeah, just so much to, to think about, you know, to, for, for lots of us, really. Oh, sorry. I was no. just – because it, it was just around, just around that, because I think it's it's that knitting together of those skill sets that is is exciting and challenging at the same time because all of this is dependent on relationships. So I'm really lucky within LPT. We have um, a fantastic patient safety team um, who I work really closely with in terms of our head of patient safety. Um, And we have lots of opportunities to kind of utilise skill sets and bring things across. Um, And we're on that journey together in terms of how things will come together. Um, But a lot of what we've been doing, I think, previous to kind of the the piece of being published, you know, that move towards systems thinking and human factors has been really key in terms of that shift. So as Tracy and um, Stephen say, you know, that shift away from root cause analysis to more utilising things like the SEEPS model. Um, So looking at, you know, your tasks, your environment, thinking in a different way, that's a real challenge, but a real opportunity as well, because what that also does is that breaks down that sort of blame culture that we've seen in the past in terms of incident reporting, etc. And actually that we're all part of the solution together. And I think that's quite uplifting and empowering for staff, actually, and that opportunity um, to approach things in a different way. And I think It really does feel like at the moment that kind of the patient safety with the quality improvement agenda together. I mean, it's 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 the most exciting time that I've known, I think, from that agenda, because without either, we're not going to get anywhere. So it's both supporting and getting us to where we need to get to in terms of our, you know, the change that's needed. I think that's a, a really interesting point that you're bringing up about blame culture. I've certainly worked in organisations where that you, you're always having to cover yourself rather than look at how to instigate kind of a um, real change in, in how things are done. And this is something that I think I read that uh, PSURF is a system-based approach. And so I wonder, what, so how does that how does that differ to to is it just about blame culture? That is it taking it away from from just looking at the person responsible for, right, I wonder if you could kind of like... So it's it's looking at the fact that actually it is the system around a person. You know, people don't come to work to do a bad job. That's not, that's not people's motivation in the main. That isn't people's motivation. And the reason why errors and problems occur is usually that, that collective um, essence that happens around them in terms of 
the environment or the systems or the technology or um, the training that's been provided, etc. And it builds on that picture. And I think what it does is it takes away from the individual in terms of what did you do, which also means that from an improvement point of view, we're not looking at changing it for one person. So it's not, you know, it's not about recommending we train Tracy again in what she needs to be doing. It's about what went wrong in the system that allowed that opportunity to happen. And I think that's, um, that's a challenge because in a lot of our improvement work, um, you know, we, we kind of do the low level stuff that is easy to sort. And some of this is the bigger system problems, whether that be technology, whether that be environments. Um, and we have to work with that, don't we, to, to kind of work together to be able to identify it and address it. Um, but it definitely builds on that just culture and that appropriate response to an individual and what's gone on. And that actually, in lots of ways, that individual will be part of that problem solution, won't they? Because they've experienced that error or that incident occurring and actually understanding from them as to why something's gone wrong and being part of that solution, which is where the tools that um, Tracy sort of alluded to already about after action reviews or huddles, they're about, you know, what's happened in real time and what was happening at that point so that situational awareness is really really key so human factors is massive in all of this in terms of that knowledge and understanding which is a big shift I think in terms of our staff's knowledge and understanding so trying to get everybody on that same page like Stephen says that shared language is is one of the biggest challenges we've got to kind of overcome it certainly sounds like a challenge. Um, Stephen alluded to uh, earlier about clinical audit, and obviously, you know, with the clinical audit and improvement podcast. So let's <laughs> let's mention, let's discuss the uh, how the piece of impact on clinical audit. I wonder, perhaps Tracy, Tracy, could you sort of start us thinking about that with you? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll sort of start off, but everybody else can sort of dip in when they want to, really. But I was just, I mean, I've sort of thought about this. I think it's a, it's a huge opportunity for, and I'm talking about when I say clinical audit teams, often clinical audit teams are doing so much more than clinical yes, audit. Course, often yeah. they're doing lots of quality improvement work beyond that. But I think that those people, they're amazing in terms of their skill set because they will be they will be able to help with that, the oversight process, the learning process as the outcomes from these incident reviews happen. So there'll be some great skills there. They'll be able to help in terms of measuring or suggesting some of the improvement methodologies that could work, because I think that could really, you know, that for me is is fundamental. And then there's just skills, you know, data analysis. There is almost nobody better often in an organisation than your your clinical audit team or your quality improvement team to help with that sort of um, aspect. And we need data to help us show some of those improvements, particularly when, like Heather said, you know, this is a, they're often systems-based changes. That's going to be, in some instances, large scale. We need data to back that up. So I think this is is an amazing opportunity for those individuals and teams it's obviously that I suppose the issue may be around capacity because those folks are busy, busy people. Let's be honest. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Heather, I mean... I mean, I think for me, I see it very much as it is a real opportunity to bring almost clinical order and quality improvement into its own right. It kind of brings it out of the shadows a bit because we, we're, like I say, we're in the point of pulling together our response plan. So our clinical directorates are busy working away on what does, you know, what does their profile look like? And as part of that, included in that is, you know, what quality improvement activity are you up to already? You know, where are you making efforts? Because actually, can we capitalise on that? But also, what does your clinical audits actually tell you about where your risks are? Um, and that is a real shift, I think, in lots of ways in using it in a different way. So the fact that actually clinical audit can be used to inform the trust patient safety instant risk profile as part of this process it feels like it's very much up there in, in line with, you know, our instant com- and our complaint profile, our patient experience feedback. Um, and like Tracy, I think there's there's lots of opportunities for how that can start to be knitted together. And I think for us, we've over the last kind of three or four months started to take more and more of that on board. So we have as a we are a quality improvement team with clinical audit as, as part of our portfolio, but we have been working with our patient safety team and our corporate investigators on what does quality improvement mean so that they have an appreciation. My team is now undertaking investigator training, not necessarily to actually be able to deliver though actually there's an opportunity there, but to have an understanding because without a knowledge and understanding, it's difficult, isn't it? And also over the last couple of weeks, we have an incident review meeting that happens every uh, every week where all of our um, incidents are reviewed and our quality improvement team is now around the table at that meeting. And that means that it's starting to link together to say, actually, this, this has happened and that's where, if you like, it will be, is this going to be an investigation? Are we going to do something different? But actually, it's bringing then, what activity have we got already? So have we got a clinical audit relating to care planning at the moment? And that's, you know, that's an area for of risk. What can we do differently? And I think just building those relationships is starting to be a really key factor, Um And I suppose my thing would be to any kind of organisation listening today um, would be about, you know, what are those relationships like between those different teams? Because actually it is about utilising the skill set together. So I think it's great because we don't see clinical audit that much in terms of, you know, out there as a, and what does your clinical audit tell you? Um, And actually the fact that we've got it on a slide set for people to think about and contemplate, I think, you know, it just brings it to where it needs to be. Stephen, Tracy, one of you, you'll see a lot of different, um, so, I mean, you can follow up on that certainly, but I'd also like you to include your perspective seeing lots of different trusts, lots of different uh, clinical audit professionals. Do they fully understand in the way that Heather clearly does uh, the, the opportunities and the challenges of, of course, uh, that this is going to bring? I'll pick that up, Tom. I've, I've been itching to come in just listening to, to Heather. <laughs> and uh, there's, so, there's just so much to, to pick up. Let, let's, let's deal with that question first about, you know, clinical audit and QI professionals 
And again, I think, you know, we can't generalize, you know, you, you, from, from organization to organization, it's going to be different. But I, I just listened to ever speak, you know, I think from our experiences, whether it's from been from speaking to people at conferences or on training sessions, you know, I think a lot of people will probably be quite envious of, of where Heather is and her team and their knowledge of PSURF and, and it being seen as an opportunity. I think we, we are talking to quite a lot of clinical audit staff and they're not familiar with PSURF. There's a, there's a wider piece around that, to be fair. And I think there's been some national discussions that we've seen around it is the patient safety and risk teams that are tending to focus on this work. So they're very much living this and breathing it. So they know what PSURF is. So outside of you know, those, those teams and those departments, you know, what does everybody else know? So I think it's not just clinical audit professionals necessarily that won't necessarily know lots about PSURF. It's, it's lots of healthcare professionals. But I think, you know, I think our experience and our view is that it's something probably again to pick up on, you know, PSURF isn't going to come necessarily come to you if you work in a clinical audit team. It's about you getting out there and wanting to find out about it and seeing where your work fits. And, and Heather's been given some really good examples. And, and I was just thinking about you know, one of the things I really like about PSURF, and it is probably a bit of a change, but again, some organisations have been doing this, is that sort of in the olden days, we were responding to incidents and that's how we tended to react and would carry out an investigation and would carry out lots of investigations. PSERF places much more emphasis around us thinking about what our risks are and horizon scanning and thinking what could go wrong rather than than what has gone wrong within our organisation. And Heather was saying really, in a, in a way, audit you know often can tell us where we are work has done it can tell us potentially where the red flags are what's about to go wrong so i think national and local clinical audit is going to be really valuable for helping to build these annual plans that every trust has got to create you know um, on an ongoing basis but equally you know to just keep looking at key risk areas gathering that data through clinical audits that that's can be really valuable information in terms of, of, of how we're performing. And, and I know if you look at some of the Shrewsbury and Telford and other public inquiries around clinical audit, they were doing clinical audit, but it wasn't sophisticated enough necessarily to, to tell us that there were red flags or there were concerns that were coming through and that we need to know about that and respond to it before it leads to incidents and catastrophes happening, really. I think that's right, because I think there's a real opportunity, isn't there, within PSERF around those kind of low level and also those near misses Um, and I think clinical audit gives us a great opportunity as an insight because it is that lens in isn't it in terms of like standards as as is and um, and also that opportunity to then triangulate that around other data sets I mean triangulation of data is a huge you know huge topic of debate at the moment in terms of you know systems to support that etc but we just have all those opportunities, don't we, to bring bring, and it brings life to something because actually it it goes into a cycle and it goes into um, a program approach of improvement that is about you know looking at where where are those biggest risk areas and having that as a concentrated response and a detailed and then you know the thematic reviews that are undertaken I mean you talk about skill sets you know that theming that analysis that's you know that's right at a clinical audit team's 
door, isn't it? In terms of in terms of that, so there is something very much I think about, like Stephen says, um, you know, it's it's for those teams to almost take it and say, actually, what can this offer us? And actually, if that's not being shared in your organisation, to knock on the patient safety door and say, please, can we have a conversation? Um, because there's just opportunities to, to build that. And, you know, we're greater than the sum of our parts, aren't we, in terms of coming together yes. um, for that real opportunity for learning. And I think that is very much, you know, the nugget of PSURF is it's about that learning opportunity. What is the learning opportunity we have to improve? And, you know, if that doesn't excite you, then, you know... <laughs> I'd say, oh, come on, because it is, it, it is, it. that's the thing, that's the thing that motivates me every day, I think, it is, it's about making that difference. Wow. Yeah. I've goosebumps on, on that, Heather. I just want to very quickly just, just mention, and I think where Tracy sort of talked about this a little bit already, and we sort of covered it a little bit, but I think the other, the other element, I think, where clinical audit staff could be really valuable is, you know, after carrying out and thinking about investigations, but after carrying out an investigation and thinking about what we're going to do differently, I think, again, historically, we've been quite weak from that point onward, from the action plan of what happens next. And that's not just to be fair in relation to patient safety. Sometimes that's in, in all different elements of work. But again, the thinking I think now is, you know, to, to make this more effective, we've got to know what actions we're going to put into place, build our action plan. We've got to actually have some sort of checking mechanism to make sure, one, those actions happen, two, that then, you know, three months down track that people are still utilising whatever the change is. And then subsequent to that, I guess, is, you know, is, is that change proving effective? Has it had any knock-on effects in other other parts of you know the work that we're undertaking and that's clinical audit you know in terms of what what we do as a checking mechanism so i think and again the other side of that as well is a lot of clinical audit staff will be really well familiar with how to construct really good quality action plans and again that i think they can you know share their skills with, with patient safety teams and investigators doing this work so sort of that back end if i can call it that you know, of, of this work, I think, again, very relevant. To, and a lot of clinical audit teams hold those skills already. I mean, the action plans is an interesting one, isn't it? Because we've made a shift in our organisation from the language of action plan to improvement plan. And that even on its own merit is quite, is, is, is quite impactful. Um, and I think... Also, that recognition, like I was saying about those kind of low level actions of, you know, we're going to tell, we're going to share to actually those system actions, which are the things that need to happen, that, that wider thinking. Um, we've kind of taken some some action locally that where we have actions that are across the trust so it, it requires a trust change you know whether that be within our system one system or you know policy whatever it is that's kind of a, a wider impact for the trust that that's sitting at a higher committee level now for that ownership so there's oversight of that so actually as an organization we're owning the improvement that's needed and understanding um what difference that's going to make. And I think even though there's that slight nuance between an action plan and an improvement plan, I think that signals a real change in direction. And I think that is where that cultural piece becomes really important around that 
you know, looking for the next step, looking for that improvement and being part of that cycle um, and making a difference so that actually we're not looking at transactional actions anymore that are just, you know, the, the easy things just to sign off. It's about actually what will make the difference. And that requires, you know, that requires a, a team to do that, doesn't it? That requires an organisation to get yeah. behind that. It's not in the gift of a one person. Um and that's what will make the, that's what will make the change. So, lots of stuff around that kind of improve, action plan to improvement thinking. Absolutely fantastic. So, I can see time's uh, pressing on now. So, I'll ask each of you what's your one hope, one hope and one concern actually, uh, in relation to PSurf. Tracy, do you want to? Oh, I'm going first. You're going first on this one. I mean, I think my hope around this is around, in a way, linking into Heather's comments that she's that she's just made, because for me it is about that. I'm not saying that patient safety and, and clinical audit teams aren't working together because I know they are, but I think it will cement though that that groundwork even further. So for me, that's a huge opportunity to help um, sort of develop that relationship even further. Maybe my concern is what I I don't ultimately want to see I, I want to see this work because I think that's where the opportunity is um, I don't want us having um, I suppose another framework in another 10 years that we're looking at something systematically different again I'm hopeful that this is that development piece of work that will take many years but will assist us I think um, in terms of developing both improvement and patient safety working together. Because you've got to let the, the, the whole culture change as well. So it's got Absolutely. to. Yeah. And that will take time. That's yeah. not, that is not quick to do, obviously. Who's next? Stephen? Heather? <laughs> Stephen, let's What's go, Stephen. Give, give, left, give, I'm, I'm giving Heather the last word, you see. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's right, <laughs> isn't it? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think my hope is, is that, you know, uh, again, linking across to Tracy, but the, that um, you know, clinical audit staff really embrace it, you know, and and there's so much, I'm going to say, there's so much, you know, in terms of webinars, in terms of on Twitter, social media, there's lots of blogs. I've never seen so, so many resources. I think NHS Futures is, is a really good resource to keep up to date with what's happening around PSERF. But like, like um, Heather said, going and knocking on your patient safety team's door and asking people internally, you know, around what PSERF's all about. So I think it can become a little bit overwhelming. So I think for me, it's, it's a hope that um, clinical audit and QI staff embrace it. And we need a way of measuring, you know, whether PSERF stands the test of time and is moving us in the right direction, really. And I guess... There's elements of or clinical audit is about measuring, isn't it, in terms yeah. of uh, we're making a difference. So I think there's an opportunity there to use some of the clinical audit, you know, work to, to actually showcase that PSERF is is delivering, you know, what we wanted. So and and I, I agree with Tracy really. I think, you know, we've had you, you only you know, any of us who works in, in you know, healthcare, we've had good doctor safer patients and we've had organization with a memory and we've had seven steps to patients they've had lots of initiatives over the years and you know that where are they now so i think you know hopefully 
that's I think again that's my my hope that you know in ten years time this will still be in place and it will be proven it's worth. I suppose the concern is that that it might not be the case. So yeah, there's there's a lot to to do and a lot of people to engage in terms of getting this right. And it's it's something that's not going to go away. It's not just an initiative for now until as, as uh, Heather said the end of the year to implement it that's when the real work starts probably next year to be fair yeah Heather I mean I think for me that that main hope is around is around the support for the cultural shift that's needed and I think it is that the shift towards um, an improvement culture and for me that's where the biggest opportunity lies um, and brings improvement and patient safety forefront into an organisation um, and actually that the agendas are supporting each other and that actually we, like I said before, it kind of brings the opportunities that clinical audit and QI can offer to the forefront of every organisation. So I guess my hope is, is that we're going to be really, really busy. That would be part of my hope is that actually, yeah. you know, there will be more demand an opportunity to be involved in making that difference. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think that's personally a really exciting opportunity. I think in terms of, you know, what's the most difficult aspect of that, it, you know, it, this is about alongside, isn't it? Everything else that's kind of going on within the NHS, the agenda and bringing people with you. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the challenge with this. Um, and I think having a measured approach and that kind of engagement piece is just really key. I mean, we're really lucky at LPT. We've got um, a program called Our Future, Our Way, which is our culture program. And we have the most amazing bunch of change leaders from across the organization that have signed up to participate in making a difference in the organization. And we'd started that program before COVID, then something called COVID came <laughs> along. So um, it's kind of a relaunch of that. But actually, as part of it, we've got partners from QI, patient safety, patient experience, health inequalities, all supporting that program together. So actually, it's all part of our agendas. And I think Stephen said, you know, this is everybody's business um, and we all have to get behind it um, and utilize it. So I think, you know, it's, it's more more an opportunity, though it is it is a scary one, isn't it? Because the delivery sure. of something very different, especially when there's a clock ticking, <laughs> in terms of you know being able to implement. But I think um, I think if you have the right people around the table, um, that can make a real inroad to kind of the success. And um, and so I think it's an exciting it's an exciting time I think to be part of clinical audit and quality improvement that um, this opportunity offers. It certainly sounds it. I'm absolutely bowled over by the energy that's come through this podcast. It's been fantastic today. Gosh, it really is lots to think about and lots to, to look forward to as well from the sounds of it. Well, Heather, Tracy, Stephen, thank you very much for giving up your time today. Thank you for and your experience and expertise. Uh, that's it for today. And if any listeners, I'll always say this, if any listeners out there want to join me on a future episode, it can be a subject that uh, you've got in mind or you can say, I just want to talk, then we can find something for you to talk about. Just email podcast at amat.co.uk. It really is a platform for absolutely anybody 
involved in clinical audit, quality improvement to get involved with. It's not about AMAT, it's about you. So please do get involved and subscribe and share this around because visibility of these things is really important for raising clinical audit profile. So thanks very much and I'll see you again soon.